Welcome to the Ben Don't Break podcast's return. Uh, this is a special treat for us. When we initially started this podcast, we wanted to talk to people who were uh, addressing the uh, COVID environment, and uh, it was going to be a short series of podcasts, and here we are two years later uh, looking at the continuing ramifications of uh, the pandemic and what we've been through. We are joined today by Jeff Eager. Uh, Jeff Eager is an attorney, consultant, and former Ben Mayor. He is consulting for the Bend Humanity Coalition, a nonprofit corporation that advocates for more humane homelessness policies, including reasonable and fair enforcement policies intended to deter people from living and dying on Bend streets and other public places. Um, the Bend Humanity Coalition, when it was launched, garnered a lot of attention on social media and in the news. So we wanted to have Jeff on and just speak a little bit to uh, the organization's mission and uh, why him, why now? Jeff, uh, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Aaron. Happy to be here. Yeah, so maybe just start by describing the Bend Humanity Coalition and what your goals are for it. Yeah, so ben, the Bend Humanity Coalition, as you just said, is a uh, nonprofit corporation, newly formed, uh, based here in Bend. Uh, and the goal of the Bend Humanity Coalition is to help to alleviate the humanitarian crisis we're seeing on Bend streets and in other public property in and around Bend. Uh, it was formed in the wake of uh, those two gentlemen dying um, over the summer who had been living in the encampment uh, up on or off of Hunnell Road. Um, and um, it came together as a group of people that were concerned that they didn't want people dying on Ben's streets uh, and that there had to be a better solution uh, to this crisis that the community is facing. Great. So obviously the, 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 the logical next question around that is what tangible steps does your organization hope to take in order to achieve those goals? Yeah. So really what, what we're trying to do initially is to, to give a voice of people in the community to, um, to give their feedback to the city council about this, this problem. Um, our belief is that, um, that enforcement of the law does play a role. It's not the, the sole solution. There is no sole solution. There is no easy solution to this problem. Uh, but that enforcement of the law is a component of solving this crisis. And that that was a position that was held by many people in the community, um, but that wasn't being delivered in any kind of organized fashion to policymakers. And so that is the, the vacuum or what we perceive to be the vacuum in the policy debate that, that we hope to fill. And we hope to give people in the community that are concerned about what's happening on Ben's streets um, an avenue to communicate their concerns to city councilors. I mean, this has become such a um, very visible and uh, large problem. I mean, and, and a problem that seemingly is as old as humanity itself. What, how, how does an organization like yours try to get its arms around something like this and, and you know, seemingly take on a, a task that really has hit kind of a, a political impasse? Yeah, I, I think the, the first, uh, the 
first step is that we don't claim to have all the answers to solve what what you rightly describe, Aaron, as a, um, I mean, as long as human beings have been, how some human beings have been housed, uh, there have been some that have been unhoused. And, um, and it's, it's not, it's not uh, something that the Bend Humanity Coalition or Bend or Oregon or the United States is going to find a complete and total solution for. Um, and, and so what we, we view our role as being a part of improving the situation here, here in Bend. Um, and we believe that part of the reason why we've seen a, a dramatic increase in the amount of camping on public property and on streets is because the the city of Bend and Bend is not unique in this um, has has chosen in many cases uh, not to enforce the law laws that uh, prohibit some of the activity that's happening on public property in uh, in in a way that ultimately does not serve uh, the folks who end up living on the streets or living on other public property in the city. Uh, well, and doesn't serve the rest of the community well either. Jeff, we want to touch on some legislation that's um, that's been in the works over the last year or so um, later on in the program. I was just curious for now, though, um, your website uh, in the action section encourages people to um, to write letters to the editor, write letters to the city council, not the letters to the editor yet. I haven't seen that yet. <laughs> Those will come um, anyways. <laughs> um, so the, the, just getting back to those tangible steps, writing into the city council, are there other um, recommendations that will be rolling out or is that kind of the extent of it right now? I mean, right. That's our first phase of uh, approaching this issue is, like I said, uh, Nicole, giving a voice to uh, people in the community that are that that perceive and I think, think rightly so that uh, in enforcement, reasonable and fair enforcement is kind of the missing a missing link to the approach to homelessness in Bend. Uh, and and allow, allowing those people or helping those people to communicate with their city councilors. Uh, about uh, how those policies might be improved. Uh, but as we go forward, and we're new still, but as we go forward, um, there may be other uh, initiatives that we uh, undertake to deliver our message. Um, and we'll just have to see how that shakes out. Jeff, I mean, given how much uh, visibility this issue has and how much um Policymaking seems to be at least initiated on social media and, and in that, that social environment. You know, were you surprised at the response from the community or were you prepared for, you know, the, the discussions that have erupted around the issue since you guys launched? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I haven't been. And I, I, I think that I would delineate a distinction between two sets of reactions. One is uh, on social media from those people uh, who maybe serve an elected office or maybe are active in homeless policy generally or feel associated with that issue uh, in some way and disagree with the Bend Humanity Coalition's approach to it. a lot of the reaction that we see on social media that is from other people 
is, you know, kind of normal people in the community is very positive in the, the response that we've gotten, both in terms of emails generated to the city council and just random people reaching out to us since we've launched, um, thanking us for what we're doing, uh, has again been uh, been overwhelmingly positive. So I think if, if one is looking at Twitter uh, or certain other corners of the social media world, one can get a misrepresentative uh, or unrepresentative uh, idea of what the sentiment is in the community. And I think that is definitely the case with regard to uh, to this issue. And once you get outside of the kind of a, the circle of people that tend to talk to themselves on social media, um, there's a big broader community out there that uh, has very different views about this issue and others. And those those are frankly the people that we've, we've wanted to reach because the people that um, discuss uh, policy, city policies on homelessness um, on social media, quite frankly, are um, you know, there's not that many of them, and they already have a voice. Yeah. Who are the organizers of the of the Bend Humanity Coalition besides yourself? Yeah. So, um, a gentleman by the name of Tim Bags is the. I guess I'd call him the founder of it. He's the president of uh, of the nonprofit. Um, he was the one that spearheaded the idea. And then we gathered a group of other kind of like-minded folks uh, to put together the organization and the infrastructure we needed to uh, to deliver the message. So it's uh, himself and then I'm helping out and then kind of a host of other bend people that are small business owners and parents and just kind of general concerned citizens. Jim, how does the approach that you guys are using differ from those working with the house's population right now? I mean, why, why you guys and what need are you fulfilling? Well, I think that, so my perception of the people that work with, um, work with other nonprofits engaged in the, you know, the, the homelessness um, issue and helping people who are unhoused uh, many of those are direct service providers. Um, and, um, you know, thank God that they're there doing that. Um, that is not what what we do. And we don't hold ourselves out as being a service provider. We are quite explicitly an organization that exists to impact public policy. Um, and so we, um, and, and so, I mean, the way we fit in is that we are, advocating for policies that include some reasonable and fair enforcement um, of the laws in a way that um, makes it less uh, likely that we're going to have people in the future living on Bend streets in the way that they are right now in a dangerous uh, situation. So, um, now, forgive me or correct me if I'm wrong um, about this and the impression that um, that I get, I guess some people have gotten from reading the website and um, your approach is that it sounds like the organization is advocating to perhaps issue tickets for illegal parking, illegal camping, um, things like that. Um, is that is that accurate? Well, um, it may be accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, so. But that's not the full extent of it. Mm -hmm. Um, There, when one brings up enforcement, 
uh, um, camping enforcement, for example, um, what oftentimes policymakers uh, uh, will bring up is um, a, a Ninth Circuit Court decision out of Boise um, that that does say that you cannot punish people for sleeping on on public property or on the on the street um, if you don't have another place to put them, and that that is. That is true, and that is a, a matter of law here in Bend and elsewhere in the Ninth Circuit. Um, but there is a whole host of, uh, of enforcement mechanisms uh, that exist um, that can help to make less likely the ongoing encampment of people on public property in a way that's dangerous to them. Um, for example, this the city of Bend swept... Um, a camp out of Emerson Street um, not long ago, as you're both aware. Um, ODOT is planning something similar for the interchanges uh, on property that it owns within the city. Um, and there are laws uh, that, such as laws against, um, against uh, open containers, there are laws against littering, there are various other laws that can be enforced um, and that um, that should we believe should be enforced fairly and equitably against folks, whether they're housed or unhoused. I'm just thinking of, um, you know, I, I guess the first reaction of a lot of folks was that is essentially criminalizing folks who are without houses. The likelihood that they're going to pay those tickets is um, fairly low. Forgive me for that assumption. Anyone who might say otherwise. Um, and so you are put in a situation where you have a lot of tickets, you're, you know, now this person has a, um, has a record for, for these infractions and then what, you know, that's the big question is, and then what? Right. Right. And certainly assessing fines against folks who, uh, don't have a home. Uh, and I mean, quite frankly, they're very unlikely to pay those fines ever. Um, and, and that's a, that's a reality. Um, on the other hand, I think that the assumption that uh, enforcing laws that are on the books that that constrain behavior uh, against people regardless of their housing status, such as open container laws, such as littering, et cetera, that is not criminalizing being homeless. That is those those laws exist. Uh, to criminalize certain behaviors, regardless of housing status, that the community has deemed problematic, um, and and that th- those laws and uh, other laws that um, that the city has on the books or could have on the books uh, that would uh, make it less desirable for people to live in an unsafe environment on our streets, um, those are those are efforts and measures that we believe the city should take. Jeff, I, I might not get this right, but as a, a reader of your Oregon Roundup, which I got to say, I'm I'm disappointed that uh, you've taken the hiatus from. Um, I mean, in those, uh, you, you're someone that believes in the, as a lawyer, and uh, but you believe in the process of law. Like, I mean, it seems like, uh, I mean, the vibe I'm getting or what I'm hearing is that uh, if if for some reason people didn't like the fact that people were getting enforced with open container violations and they would want to 
do something to overturn those laws rather than how we are in kind of a gray area right now of laws being on the books, perhaps the community through their sentiments on social media or to their politicians have expressed something that says, we don't like these laws, but in this gray area, I mean, am I right in saying that it seems to me like your organization is saying we can't be in this gray area. You've got to, uh, from your organization's perspective, stay in legal territory. Um, yeah, I think that's that's a good way to put it, Aaron. I, I think that um, if, the, if the city is going to have laws on the books or ordinances on the books, if the, and then the state has laws on its books um, that the city enforces within its uh, boundaries, uh, then those, those should be, um, those should be enforced equally. Um, And, uh, and, you know, the, the question is, um, if, if it's not being enforced equally, why isn't it being enforced equally? And why is it, um, why is it that the city is choosing in some circumstances to, uh, to kind of turn a blind eye to some of that? Um, that's, I mean, that's, that's one question. I think ultimately it's a political decision on the part of the city council, which is why we're doing what we're doing. They do receive some significant push from organizations that are on the other side of this issue from us. Um, And, um, and it's the reason why, you know, we think that it's important to go a different direction than this is uh, not only for equal enforcement of the laws, but that the, the outcome for people who um, who are living on the streets and on other public property in and around Bend has not been good. Um, the, some of some of them have tragically died. Um, it is not a good situation. And while the city and other and nonprofits are building out shelter capacity and building out services, um, which is which is a good thing. Um, it, and then to the degree we're able to get some folks who are living on the streets right now, living in, in those better environments, um, without, without enforcement, um, it's entirely possible you just end up with more folks on the streets replacing the ones that moved into the shelters. Why, why wouldn't that be the case? Um, and so that's why we believe that the, an enforcement regime that is fair and equitable uh, is is really an essential part of a long-term improvement of this situation uh, in Bend. I want to I want to bring back bring that um, notion of the shelter beds back in just a second. But I'm also curious: Have you talked to the local law enforcement about this, and what's their reaction? So we have not talked to local law enforcement about this, um, in part because we don't want to put local law enforcement in a tough spot vis-a-vis their, um, their bosses. Um, it, it's our belief and perception. You know, we've had off the record conversations with former law enforcement um, that, and that confirms our suspicion that there, there is a, a political impetus to the lack of enforcement with, of some of these laws um, with regard to, some of the homeless population here in Bend. So that's part of why we are focusing people's attention on the people that ultimately are responsible for those policies, and that's the city councilors. 
initially when initially when um it had a terrible marketing name but when there was you know conversations about defunding the police and i had been somewhat uh i don't know i wouldn't say inspired but i was certainly interested in the fact that there was going to be this kind of robust conversation about like where do we put our public dollars and it seemed to fall more towards what we where it's gone towards this population and you know how who was going to be responsible how how were we going to meet these needs as certainly they were growing and becoming more visible um do you see yourself you guys see yourselves falling into that conversation about you know if it if, if because what what i've heard is oh well you know we're just going to criminalize them you know we're going to drive them and then they're going to be in the prisons and then we're just going to be supporting them in a in a place that's that's not as good as as where they were and do you see that playing into a to a discussion as you move into this issue i, I think it's part of the discussion aaron um i think that they're they're definitely you the approach of just enforcement without other stuff, without services, without um, alternative living environments uh, for people that are better than living on on the streets, that wouldn't work either. Um, And and so uh, you need the whole thing. And and yeah, we, it's interesting. I don't hear a whole lot about the defund the police movement, at least locally anymore. Right. I mean, Um, kind of a (laughs) One of the things I'm I'm a little upset. I mean, I thought there was good, it was going to roll, but it did. So, yeah, yeah, and 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 so I think that the the police have uh, you know a very important role in our community and others, and that is to enforce criminal statutes and ordinances um, uh, when when the law is being broken, and um, and you know that's that's what their job is. And, um, you know, to the degree when there are populations that are, you know, not breaking the law, but need some help, then, you know, that would presumably be something that might be better handled by someone who's not a police officer. I know oftentimes they get, uh, cops get put in that situation, um, uh, even though they're maybe not the best suited to do it. Um, but, you know, at, at the end of the day, if someone is is violating a law, then, you can't have a social worker go and enforce the law. It's it's got to be a it's got to be a police officer. Yeah, I mean, my hope was that there was going to be some kind of hybridization of the of the two, but I, I again, I don't see that manifesting itself right now. We have seen here in Oregon um, over the last couple of months more uh, cities adopting the cahoots model, which, as you guys probably know, is. Um, you know, we have it in Bend as well, where um, mental health providers are going out on service calls um, when they're identified as, you know, being um, being eligible for those type of calls. So I, I think we are seeing that in the background, maybe not so much in Bend, but um, I don't want to quote the cities, but I did see that two, two other cities in Oregon have been taking up that CAHOOTS model. So just FYI for our, all the people listening. Um, so, Jeff, earlier you talked about the, the Ninth Circuit um, and the Boise case, um, and that has, um, you know, morphed into uh, HB 
3115, which um, was signed into law in June in Oregon, essentially says that camping on public property is okay, um, but that cities or counties must be, um, can adopt, uh, let's see, let me read this. Let's start over. Okay, so the bill states that governments must be providing other alternatives besides camping. Bend has a new shelter on 2nd Street. It's low barrier, but it's already full many nights. Um, how does that jive with your mission? You've talked a little bit about how we need those safe places to live. Um, but then we have this bill out there that is, um, mm-hmm. I think if, if you were, a, you know, if you were a city councilor looking at 3115 and saying, okay, I'm not allowed to enforce um, rules against camping if I don't have anywhere else for this person to go, you know, that's a really complicated ask. Um, what's your take on it? Yes. I mean, my take on 3115 is that it basically codifies the Boise decision uh, in in Oregon, and it does preclude local governments from banning camping on public property um, if there's nowhere else for folks to go. Um, um, So that, like I said at the beginning, that is a real thing, and that is a real, a real um, restriction on what the city could do if it were so inclined to um, to to deal with camping in that way. Um, and but what what that statute and the Boise decision don't say anything about is um, other laws that exist if that that have nothing to do with someone's home, housed or unhoused status um, and. And there are, as evidenced by, you know, the sweep of Emerson Street, um, what ODOT is doing with some of their property, um, there are things, enforcement things that the city can undertake, even under the H- HR or HB uh, or SB, I forget which one it was, 3115 uh, and the Boise decision. We're not asking the city of Bend to uh, violate anyone's constitutional rights or certainly to violate state law or the decision of a federal court. Um, but I think that to be quite frank, I think that um, some some advocates um, and some people involved in homelessness policy uh, and some decision makers, some policymakers uh, overstate the scope of both 3115 and the Boise decision as though they preclude the enforcement of laws against people who are unhoused generally, and they simply don't do that. Uh, they simply don't do that. And so our our position is that the, the city does have significant enforcement authority to enforce the laws that are on the books that are unrelated to someone's housing status, um, and that it should do so in an equitable fashion. Um, uh, regardless of someone's house uh, status as housed or unhoused. Uh, Jeff, I'm I'm out of questions. I don't know whether Nicole is. In this I, well, I have I have. There's two thoughts that just came up in what you just said. Um, made me think of Oregon's decriminalization of of all drugs for recreational use. Any thoughts on you know? What's your take on that and how it's, you know, perhaps affected our homelessness issues in the state of Oregon? Um, yeah. And then I'll go, I'll go for one more before we wrap up. Okay. Um, it's, 
it's it's hard to i mean so if i might speculate a little bit i suspect that it has contributed to the increasing prevalence of homelessness in some cities in Oregon, including Ben. Um, I, I think we know, and I think it's not terribly controversial uh, to say that um, a lot of the folks, not all, but a lot of the folks who are living on Ben's streets uh, suffer from substance abuse problems. Um, and to the degree that Oregon now has a more lenient legal regime around use of some of those substances, um, one would think there there could be a connection between those two uh, those those two facts. Um, I, I would I mean just anecdotally, it does seem like the problem has gotten worse over the last year or two, but it was getting worse before that um, the decriminalization went onto the books. So. I, th- I think it's hard to get um, really hard data on a lot of this stuff, um, uh, in part because people who are who are homeless, um, you know, probably aren't in, super interested in giving information about themselves uh, to people that um, that might be with the government um, or trying to get information from them. So I, I think it's hard to say. If I had to guess, I think there's probably it probably does not help reduce the amount of homelessness we have in the state. And then of course, you know, try to end on a, on a high note. Um, Where are the cities that are, that are doing it right in your opinion, in terms of, I mean, we've heard a lot about don't be like Portland or Seattle. Anytime, anytime there's a conversation, you know, Portland and Seattle get mentioned as the, the worst examples. What are the good examples in your opinion? Yeah. So, I mean, if you travel around um, the state or even outside the state, there are plenty of communities where you don't have um, at least visible um, camping on streets and on public property. It's not to say that there aren't homeless folks there. Surely there are. Um, uh, but even even here in Bend, uh, you know, as of five years ago, I, I don't recall seeing uh, nearly the prevalence of camping on in a near public rights of way that we see today. Um, and so there, there are places that, that have done this uh, the right way, but there are so many factors that go into it, Nicole, like, like we said. So, um, you know, if you go to Dallas, Texas, for example, I was just in Dallas, Texas last week. Um, there are homeless people there for sure. Uh, there are, I did not see any camps. Um that's again not to say there are not homeless people. I'm sure there are far more homeless people in Dallas, Texas, than in Bend. Um, but obviously, there's they're doing something different with regard to um, whether they allow people to camp in at least alongside highways and streets differently than than what is going on here. The important thing to bear in mind is that Dallas is not in the Ninth Circuit. It is not subject to um, you know, the Boise case that we talked about. Uh, so, so Bend is in a different situation than someplace like, uh, like Dallas um, or other places like Austin, Texas, just, you know, reinstated their, what's called a sit-lie ordinance um, that had been repealed by the city council. Um, Bend couldn't do without 
<laughs> without getting embroiled in, in some legal stuff, um, could not do what Austin has just recently done because it's in a different legal framework than, than Austin is. Um, but, you know, you, you go to communities around Oregon. I see Corvallis is undertaking some enforcement measures. Um, there, there are places that have done a, a good job with this or a better job with this. And again, we're not saying that enforcement is going to solve everything. Um, this stuff has a, a bunch of different causes to it. And each one of each one of these folks who finds themselves homeless has a different reason why they're homeless. Um, uh, we just believe that um, that enforcing the law is a component of of fixing this thing. Um, and we think Ben could do a better job with that. Well, Jeff, is there anything else before we, we break away that you'd like to say to listeners slash readers? Uh, I don't think so. If anyone wants to learn more about us, they can go to www.bendhumanitycoalition.org. Great. I really appreciate you taking the time today to delve into this. I mean, it's one of those issues that, uh, couldn't have more shades of gray to it. And, uh, you know, the more we can discuss it and get it out in the public, um, the better, I think. Yep. Totally agree. Thank you for being with us, Jeff. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah. All right. Bye.